Welcome to U.S. History Mastery Cast 7. Our topic is the early 1800s, balancing nationalism and sectionalism. We'll talk about regional economic differences between the North and South. We had two agricultural systems developing, one in the North and one in the South, as well as the Industrial Revolution beginning in the North. Henry Clay's American system is a key event during this period. Industrialization occurred in the North as a result of various factors. Some included interchangeable parts being used as well as mass production. The causes for industrialization included inventors like Eli Whitney and the cotton gin, a vast amount of resources like coal, iron, use of waterways, and unskilled workers. Also, the naval blockades and foreign policy during the War of 1812 period created a demand for goods. Let's review the differences between agriculture in the North and the South. Agriculture in the North consisted of smaller farms, some were self-sufficient, one or two crops, not much need for slaves. As compared to agriculture in the South, in the South cotton was king due to significant demand for cotton in England. Eli Whitney's cotton gin made growing cotton more profitable. We had large plantations and a significant demand for slaves. Henry Clay was a war hawk during the War of 1812, but is known as the great pacificator or compromiser during this period. He was skilled at compromise and will be authoring his American system as well as the Missouri Compromise. Clay's American system tried to unify the economy. It established a protective tariff for imports, known as the Tariff of 1816. He tried to resurrect the National Bank to help business and assisted in developing transportation systems, canals, roads, etc. During this period, nationalism will be growing. We see that reflected in Supreme Court decisions like Gibbons versus Ogden. In this case, Chief Justice Marshall reinforced the ability of the federal government to regulate interstate commerce. Nationalism also began to shape foreign policy. We see the Adams-Onis Treaty of 1819. One of the most significant foreign policy is the Monroe Doctrine. In the Monroe Doctrine, President Monroe warned all European powers not to interfere in the Western Hemisphere. The problem associated with this, and question historians often ask, is whether or not the United States would have really had the ability to enforce this prohibition. This nationalism also fueled westward expansion. Settlers began pushing into the Northwest Territory. The Northwest Ordinance was established to set up the procedure for statehood. However, in these instances the question would always arise, will the new state be a slave state or a free state? As I said before, Henry Clay authored the Missouri Compromise, which resolved the conflict over slavery. It established a ban for future slavery beyond the 36-30th parallel line, except for Missouri. It settled slavery issue for a generation. The election of 1828 brings us our next president, Andrew Jackson. Eased voting restrictions made a candidate like Jackson more appealing, as he appealed to the common man. The phrase Jacksonian democracy refers to the ideal of political power for all the masses. Jackson engaged in what we call the spoil system, basically by providing jobs to his supporters after he was elected. 
Jackson's also known for his position on removal of Native Americans from their homelands to Oklahoma. In 1830, he supported passage of the Indian Removal Act, where the federal government provided funds for negotiation of treaties to force Native Americans west. The Cherokee Nation refused to sign the treaty and move west and went to the Supreme Court requesting relief. President Jackson ignored the courts stating that the Cherokee Nation was a sovereign nation. As a result of this, the Cherokee were forced off their land and the Trail of Tears resulted. Jackson also is known for his role in the nullification crisis. In the nullification crisis, the issue of taxes had reduced the demand for cotton in the South. South Carolina had taken the position that it could nullify these tariffs. There was a great amount of debate over this issue. Daniel Webster and Robert Hayne were known as lead figures in the discussion. Once again, Henry Clay would forge a compromise in 1833. The National Bank War was also a hot topic during this period. Once again, President Jackson was opposed to the National Bank because he felt that it was an agent for the wealthy. He withdrew money and put them into banks run by his friends, which we referred to as pet banks. These controversial tactics led to controversy and, and created what we know as the Whig Party to oppose Jackson and his supporters. After President Jackson, we have President Martin Van Buren. He, with the help of President Jackson, was elected in 1836. As a result of many of the financial policies that President Jackson had put into place, we did have a panic of 1837, which included a run on the banks, which were caused in part by many of Jackson's financial policies. Our next president in 1840, as a result, will not be a Democrat. It will be a Whig. President Henry Harrison dies within a month after taking office, and John Tyler becomes president. Both the 1790s and the 1830s were a period of differing views. In the 1790s, we discussed the origins of political parties, resulting from differences in views between Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson. During the early 1800s, we'll see similar division on policy between the Jacksonian Democrats and the Whigs. Politics changes, and we see much more open involvement of the masses. The early 1800s will be a period of increased nationalism and the beginnings of sectionalism. Thanks for listening to this Mastery Cast on U.S. History. We encourage you to visit MasteryMaze.com for more review podcasts. Thanks for being part of our learning community.